Well, I'm Jeff. I'm one of the pastors on the team. I'm happy to be here with you guys. I was uh, uh, last week, Art told everybody I was in Yontville. I was not in Yontville. You might have heard that. I had like 25 conversations. How was Yontville? I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't you had a whole thing because there's a church in Yachtville that's, uh, that uh, is getting restarted and they're needing some help and um, they're looking at the Covenant Church's connection and so we're going to go and, and so I'm preaching there next week as a matter of fact. But last week I was in, in Sonora and I was speaking at a men's retreat in Sonora. Here's the best thing that happened in that men's retreat is that at the very end of the men's retreat at like Sunday morning, we're all there at breakfast and we found out that one of the guys from the retreat wandered off and got lost in the woods which is so great because nobody wanted to go have another service. You know what I mean? They were like, let's get the quad runners. Like, let's call the sheriff and the helicopters. It was like a game. It was like paintball, but we only had to find the senior citizen in the woods. It was awesome. And we did. We found him. So that was good. It was good news. Because some of you are looking at me like, how is that funny? Yeah, because we found him. And, um, but it took four hours. And then we got together. And I came and I did a, a, a message on Luke 15 where J- Jesus goes out and finds that which is lost. So that was what I preached on on that morning, and uh, it was all good. So why don't you know I wasn't in Yontville, in case you wondered why I was out of touch for the three days, because Yontville's not that far away, and they do have cell phone coverage. But I was, I was there. But I'm, I'm glad to be a part of this. We, um, we're doing this series called uh, Being Good News to a World That Needs It. And uh, man, I just love that story of 19 people who in a, in, a, in a week's notice went down to Houston and just showed up to be good news. That's so incredible. I love this thought of being good news, that the church would be good news to a world that needs it, that wherever the church showed up, everybody's like, good news, the Christians are here. Like that just sounds so foreign to the world that we live in right now, that when, when, when Christians show up or when the God talk starts, everybody's like, oh, you know, like I, it just doesn't feel like good news in our world today. And that's just because people are misrepresenting who Jesus is. And, and, and I don't know what all the reasons are, but man, we're like, that's, that's not us, church. We want to be good news. When we show up, we want the world to go, this is amazing. This is amazing that Christians are here. That is such good news that the pastor's at the cocktail party. Like, that, I want that to be how it works. But that's not always the case. My, my, my favorite comedian is Brian Regan. Do you guys listen to Brian Regan? So great. And you could recommend the, Brian Regan to the whole family, which is so fun. That's why part of it's so good. But Brian Regan has this great bit where he, he travels all the time for, for his job, right? So uh, as a stand-up comedian. And so he talks about how, you know, that, that time when you're on the airplane and the, the captain comes on over the, over the thing and says, oh, it's your captain speaking from up here on the flight deck. And uh, I've got some, just to let you know what's going on up here. Like when that happens, those of you that fly, you know, that's never good, right? Like, and he starts, he talks about it. He's like, that never, nothing good ever follows a captain. Like, well, let me update you on what's going on up here on the flight deck, right? It's always it's always like, well, we're 19th to take off and the, you know, 17 in front of us all have flat tires. You know, like it's always, there's never a good thing when that, when that happens. And he goes, it's never like, you know, the captain's like, oh, this is the captain up on the flight deck and I uh, want to know we're, yep, we're running a little late as you can tell, but it's because we found a giant bag of money and we're divvying it all up for you people and the stacks are getting so high they're falling over, but we're going to get that together. And like, you never hear that. It never, nothing ever good happens when the captain's like, hey, I got some news for you. Well, listen, man, there are a whole bunch of people in our world that believe that whenever Christians show up or whenever the God talk starts, nothing good follows after that. And how can that be? Because we're people of good news and we need to learn 
how increasingly to be good news to a world that needs it. And that's why we're doing this series. And Ben, two weeks ago, kicked off this sermon series. If you were here two weeks ago, it was a treat. If not, you want to get a hold of that video uh, through our app or on our website and listen to it. He did an incredible job. I think it may be one of the best sermons I've ever heard, period. And I thought it was that good. Remember Ben talked about Wonder Woman? And the Bible. Remember the Bible part too? Or no, just... Uh, let's return to the verse that, that, we, uh, that we looked at just by way of kind of re-capping re, uh, um, where this series is going. He read this verse from Luke chapter 4 about where Jesus was preaching in the synagogue and revealed himself to those religious leaders. And he said this from Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And what follows here is this message that Jesus said, I'm the answer. And you know, he's quoting an Old Testament prophecy where the people of Israel had been longing forever for the Messiah to come, for the Savior to come and bring the good news of healing and redemption and forgiveness. And Jesus is now quoting this passage. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim the good news. Good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. These are all forms of good news. Recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It's like, guess what, friends? This is the year that God's goodness is going to come on you. A couple verses later, he said, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing today. Like, I'm the answer. I'm the good news. And Ben rightly so said, you know what, we kind of want Jesus to be the Wonder Woman Savior where he comes in and, in Ben's language, wrecks shop on everything that's evil and does away with it all. We would love that if we had that kind of finality to this coming of Jesus. But in fact, what happens is Jesus says, I'm the good news. And then he sends his Holy Spirit into his church, into his people. And he says, now you go be agents of my good news. You're my agents. I'm the good news. There's good news for this world that desperately needs it. Now you get to be my agents of that good news. And so that's what the series is about. We're his agents of that good news. Let's figure out how to do that. And last week we had Sean Litton, who's the president of International Justice Mission. And he came in and he gave a message basically that said it's good news when people rescue those who cannot rescue themselves. That's a way that we become good news. And we rescue those. We bring our power to bear for those that are powerless. We help those who have no way to help themselves. That's good news. That was an incredible message there. And some of you joined in and uh, became Freedom Partners, uh, which is that you're helping that mission rescue uh, people that are stuck in, um, in sex trafficked, been sex trafficked or stuck in slavery. So, um, so that was the last two weeks. So we're going to go on for a few weeks, and we're going to talk about what it looks like to be people who are good news. And this morning, this is my title. This morning is, I want to remind us that being good news is about being people who love like crazy. People who love like crazy. And I use that word on purpose, love like crazy, like love, like, like all in love, like wild love, like, uh, like unimaginable love, and like people think we're crazy love. Because this is the bottom line. This is what it comes down to is that we're going to be good news when we show up being people who love like crazy. You know what it feels like. I bet everybody here has somebody in their life that when that person walks into the room, right, you go, oh my gosh, that person just brings it. 
They're positive. They're affirming. They look people in the eyes. They meet people's needs. You can tell they're not there for themselves. They come and they bring love into that moment. You know who I'm talking about? Do you have those people in your lives? Art Greco is one of those people. Our pastor Art is one of those kind of people. That everywhere we go, he's one of those people that when you go to a restaurant, you're going to know the server at the end of the meal. You know what I mean? You're going to know the server. You're going to know their story. You're going to know what needs they have. You're going to know about their family history. You're going to know where they came from. You're going to know what the goals they have, what dreams they're pursuing. You're going to know it all. And then you're going to have to tip like 100% in order to invest in this person's heart. Everywhere we go with art, we make friends, right? You know what I'm talking about? Those kind of people, when they're in the room, they're bringing this good news. And it's love. They know how to love you. So this is being people who love like crazy is what, uh, is what I want to talk about this morning in the time that I have remaining. Let's look at the scripture that kind of manifests this. It's a scripture in 1 John chapter 4. If you have your Bible, you can turn to it. We're going to go back and forth between my points and the scripture text, and so I don't want you to miss something. If you don't have your Bible open, you may miss something. But this 1 John 4 uh, is, a, is a passage of scripture about loving and about the reality that this love comes from being connected to God. And where God's people is being people who love like crazy. 1 John 4, 7 and following. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. By the way, if you wanted to memorize a passage of scripture, 1 John 4, 7 through 11. 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. That's five verses. I will give you $5 from... That motivates some people. $5 if you come to me with those verses memorized, okay? Because this is money right here. This is the deal. Dear, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also... Oh, sorry, I, was, I already skipped it. Dear friends, let us love one another. Verse 7. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because... Say that part with me. God is love. Verse 9. This is how God showed this love. But God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, then we also ought to love one another. We become people of love because God loved us. No one's ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. No one's ever seen God. The, the world needs to see the good news of God. No one's ever seen God, but if we love, then the world sees God through us because his love's made complete in us. Isn't that great news? So we become this good news because we're people who express God's love to the world. So what does it look like what is this text going to tell us about how we love like crazy? I want to talk about a few things. What will characterize this way of life? First and kind of foundationally about it is we're going to live like we know the author of love. That's what this text is teaching us. And we're going to live like we know the author. God invented love. God is love. The scripture tells us. Go back to that 7 and 8 verses 7 and 8. That part of the text. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. See the second half of verse 7? Because the end of verse 8, because God is love. We are going to live like we know the author, like we've experienced 
God. We've experienced God. We know God. We know what this is about so that we get to be people who know of which we speak. Since God so loved us, we can love other people. See, if you th- this text teaches that God is love. God's love, which means that every action of God, you guys, is, an, is a love activity. It's a love action. It emanates from love, and it is an, an, an act of love. Think about that theological statement for a minute. If God is love, then every action of God is an action of love, including this idea from Ben's sermon that Jesus brings good news. We're his agents of good news. So if he is in us bringing his message to the world, it is going to be an action of love. It's going to be a message of love. What we bring to the world, you guys, is going to be love. So we live like we know this author of love, and God's love is going to be because we're born of God, we're knowing God, then his love flows in us and flows through us. And so it, listen, this is my point on this, it, it will be the number one thing that characterizes us is God's love. Out of all the ways that people would describe us, it would be God's love would be the thing that characterizes us. It's the thing that characterizes him. The text teaches us in verse 8, God is love. So it's going to be the number one thing that's going to characterize us. And I say that because we have to ask the hard question, does it characterize us? Does it? Does it characterize you? Because we're going to be God's agents. We're going to be people that are good news to a world that needs it, then we get a love like crazy. It has to be the thing that characterizes us. It has to be the thing that when we walk in the room, when people hear Marin Covenant showing up, that they're like, that is awesome because those people are awesome. They love us. I'm gonna tell you something. Do you know that that's the reputation that you're getting in our county? Do you know that about yourselves? That's the reputation you have. I hear it all the time. I run into people that are like, oh, you're a pastor, where? We're in Covenant Church. Oh, is that the, up on the hill by the free? Yeah, that's, that's by AAA, yeah, that's the place. Oh my gosh, that place is so great. My neighbor went to that place, brought her son. She absolutely loves it. I've been thinking about coming. And I'm like, why aren't you, you lame No, see, I don't do that. I, that's just a joke. I tell you guys that story because we're hearing it all the time. Who works, who in our church works in a bank? There's somebody who works in a bank that keeps telling new people who are moving to town that they ought to go to this awesome church. I don't know who this angel is. It's an angel that's behind the counter that's like taking in new accounts. I don't know who this is. But, oh yeah, this person at the bank told me and then I went back and she didn't exist. Like, I don't know what's that story. But some of you, one of you works in a bank There's a teacher in the county that keeps sending new families that come to their school, and that teacher doesn't come to our church even. And they're like, this is a place where there's a bunch of very authentic people who will welcome you and love you and let you be on your journey toward God there. That's what I'm hearing. So well done, church. And that is is a deep affirmation to some very specific individuals of you who are reaching out and loving and caring for people and bringing good news in your circles of influence. So we live like we know the author of love. And so when the world sees us coming, that's the way they, it's, it, they know that when they hear from the flight deck, Marin Covenant's coming, 
But they don't go, oh man, there's nothing good that's going to follow that. But the opposite is true. These people love me. They've loved my mom. They love our kids. They've loved our neighborhood. It's the one thing that will characterize us. They love not only their neighborhood, they love the neighborhood across the bridge in the Tenderloin. They loved Houston. It's the one thing. Think about what the opposite is. The opposite is that we don't come with love. It's not the thing that characterizes us, but in fact that we instead come with some sort of spiritual, I mean, moral or spiritual superiority and of judgment. This is where the word judgment comes into play. People have been burnt by the church. They've been, they felt like they were judged. You've heard that, right? You may have felt that before. What does it even mean that we've been judged? What it means is that instead of getting this love of God flowing in and through believers who have experienced it because they know the love of God, they live like the author, they know the author of love. Instead of doing that, these are people that somehow have sort of put standards on other humans before they could be in some sort of a relationship. Now, listen, I want you to know something. Hey, there's more to this Christian journey than love. There's obedience and death to ourself and truth and the scripture and the authority of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Like, there's, right, there's more to this. This is one message, right? But the truth is, you guys, that that happens as the Holy Spirit gets a hold of somebody and says, now come follow me. Jesus says, come follow me. The church doesn't say, you follow Jesus and we'll love you. The church goes, hey, come on. We've ex- we know the author of love. You come experience it with us. Get on the train, and that person will figure it out. I know there's people in this room right now going, yeah, but then you've got to tell them the truth, that they shouldn't be living like that, and they shouldn't be living like that, and they shouldn't be living like that. I want to tell you something. No, that's not your job. Paul said to the Corinthians, hey, I don't judge people outside the church. They're outside the church. They don't, they don't know anything about submitting to the, the lordship of Jesus. They don't know anything about the word of God yet. They don't know anything about, they haven't wrestled with the spiritual and moral realities of the Holy Spirit convicting them and moving them through their journey. That will come. Our message is one, is one of unmerited favor by the God of grace who invented love. And we become those agents. Get on the train and God's gonna start working that stuff out. You with me? You hear what I'm saying on this? We become people who live like this God who invented this deal. And I, this is why the prodigal son was, is such a powerful story for all of us. I, I, we, we saw this, this image of this um, in my one-on-one class this week. Um, I, 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 my, it takes my breath away, this sculpture. But that idea that the arms are open wide of the father and he embraces this son who made every bad decision in the book. And when he comes back to the father, he didn't get moral superiority. He didn't get judgment, whatever that means. He didn't get, you're not gonna do any of that stuff before, like, right? Like before I embrace you, let's be clear about what is okay and what is not okay. He got none of that, right? Look at the embrace. That to me is such a beautiful picture. That's who we are, church who says to the world, wide open, you come. You come meet this God of love that we've met. Come meet him. Undeserved grace. Unconditional acceptance. And then we'll get on the Jesus train together and work it out. So what else does that look like? A couple of details that I think are in there. Loving, like, um, uh, 
living like we know the author of love. Uh, I think it, there's a couple pieces in there for me. This is a couple of them. One, it looks like we're taking the initiative. That's right out of these scriptures that I read to you. It looks like we're taking the initiative. That's what loving like crazy is. Go back and look at uh, the text again, verse 9. You'll see initiative, verse 9 and 10. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his son. There's an initiative word. God took the initiative and sent his son. Hey, it's not like they cried out for his son. It's not like they said, we need something, God, come bring. Like God initiated, right? He sent his son into the world that we might live through him. And then verse 10, this is love. Now, this is important. Look at this verse. This is, a, this is showing what true God love is. It's about initiative. This is love, he says, not that we loved God, but that God loved us. Now, stop and think about that for a minute. This is what love looks like. This is what God's love looks like. This is what we, being good news, will look like. That we'll take initiative. This is love, he says. Not that, God, that we love God. In other words, the story isn't, wow, we pulled it together. And we finally cleaned up our lives and brought them in line enough with God so that God could demonstrate his love toward us. That's not what it is. This is love. Not that we loved God and so that God somehow reacted to us or we deserved his love. That's not what love is. This is what love is. Not that we love God, but that God loved us. What's the rest of it in verse 10? And sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. This is an, this is an, an initiative thing. That we, if we're going to love like crazy, we're going to go out and initiate love. We're going to be the lovers before people deserve to be loved. We're going to be loving people before we like them. We're going to be loving them when they think differently than us. We're going to be loving them when they feel like they're more trouble than they're worth. That we're going to like, we're going to initiate love to them even when they don't appreciate it back. I mean, this is the crazy talk. This is the crazy part. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said, you know, you've heard all the religious people for all our generations have said, love your neighbors, but hate your enemies. In other words, love your neighbors, keep, be, keep safe. Keep distance from your enemies, but love your neighbors. Just be, love your neighbors, but hate your enemies. Jesus said, you've heard that that was said. He goes, but I tell you, and remember what he said? Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be like your father in heaven. That's the thing that characterizes God's love is that we, lo we take the initiative to love people who even in our book wouldn't deserve it or shouldn't be loved or aren't loving us back. We take initiative. You know, where this, 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 I know you experienced this. This is so convicting. This is like what that thing we do where we say about our neighborhood, well, I, I like that neighbor and I'm friends with that neighbor, but that guy, I'd... I'd be friends with that guy down the street if he was nicer to me. Like, if he wanted to have a conversation with me, right? If, if he wanted to engage with me, if he was more, more uh, pleasant, then I, I would engage in a relationship with my neighbor. That is, Jesus said, love your neighbors, love your enemies. And we're like, yeah, but he doesn't really want to be my friend, so I'm good. Like, we're the crazy people who are all up in that guy's grill winning him because we live like we know the author of love. We initiate. And secondly, and related to it, we take, we give sacrificially. Because how this is related is, and in the scriptures, if you look back at the text, it's like that he sent, this is love, not that God loved us, verse 10, but that, I mean, not that we loved God, but that he loved us, and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice 
for our sins. The reason these two are related, because why this is so powerful, this idea of, of taking initiative and giving sacrificially is that's what's going to have an impact on the human soul. Because listen, we didn't have to do it. I hope you're going to go to the Tenderloin on Saturday with all these people that are going to go down there and love on people and, and do hair and makeup and feed people and, and party. And I hope you're going to go and experience this. Because here's the deal. Here's why it's so godlike. Because they can't give it, you anything back. That's what feels so different. That's what's going to be good news. Everybody has experienced the really nice guy that you meet on the train or in the neighborhood or whatever. And then you realize he's trying to work you for some sort of a sale or a business contact. Or there's something reciprocal that's going to happen. You realize, I kind of thought this guy was liking me for me. Instead, he's got something else going on there. Christians do the same thing. Some sort of religious guilt. I should probably love or serve or share about Jesus or do something, and then I'm going to feel better about myself. Now, we love like crazy people who get nothing in return. This is what's so powerful about Houston. They can't repay the fav- favor. This is what's so powerful about those of you guys that are going into to doing ministry in jails and in prisons. They can't come over to your house and do ministry back to you. This is why Jesus talked about loving the poor and caring for the poor because they have nothing to give back to you. You don't get anything out of it. That's what love is. If we know the author of love, then we're going to be people who take the initiative and give sacrificially, meaning I don't get anything back. Jesus is God's example in this whole thing, you guys. God's example in this. It cost him everything, and it cost me nothing to receive his love. That's the kind of people we get to be. And the minute it's not sacrificial and we're not taking the initiative, we're missing the mark. And so we challenge ourselves with this question. And if I know the author of love, I can be that person and step out into that kind of loving. I really do hope that you're jumping on board with one of these service projects, one of these missions trips, going into the tenderloin, planning on um, challenging yourself in this way. You know, sacrifice. One more word about sacrifice. No, I don't have time. Okay. Few, because it was a hard word. All right, here's the word. Here's what it is. I've heard, Greg, I've, heard, I've heard Greg talk about it before. He talked about it with the concept of giving, which is, which is a form of loving. He said, if you're not tempted to dial back a little bit on your giving, you're probably not giving enough. Like, it has to be so great that you're like, geez, this, this is a lot. Think about that in terms of love. That you're feeling like, oh man, that's a lot. Like, I don't know if I'm comfortable. Like the tenderloin. I drive through the tenderloin and I lock the doors, roll up the windows and speed. Like, that's what I do with the tenderloin, you're saying to yourself. But we're going to go down there and hang out with people? If that doesn't scare you a little bit, then it's probably not an act of love for you. You're going to go, and Saturday, 12 to 5, that kind of a thing, right? If it doesn't cost us, we're not quite getting at the God piece. This last piece, I gotta, I gotta share this last piece with you that's from the scriptures. Loving like crazy is like we know the author of love. We're taking the initiative, we're giving sacrificially, and we're meeting people in their deepest needs. The text we just read said he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. It was meeting the deepest need of the human soul, which was that they needed forgiveness. They needed their sins to be atoned for. They needed redemption. And Jesus came. God God loved in such a way. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, 
but have life. They have need. Their soul needs life. And Jesus came. God sent Jesus as an act of love. That's, if we're going to be good news to a world that needs it, we're going to be loving that way. We're going to be meeting people's deepest needs. Now, for sure, friends, their deepest need is that their soul comes to understand that they uh, need Jesus' love and forgiveness, that their soul finds its rest in him alone. That's their deepest need for sure. Now, so part of our loving is that we understand that that's their deepest need. But I have to tell you something. It is very unloving to go take all eight years of what you've learned following Jesus or 80 years of what you've learned following Jesus and going and knocking somebody over the head with that in the name of love because that's not what they need. That's not what they can understand. That's not what they can process. So being people of good news is not like, I've got good news and I've got 26 years worth of it, so let me download it on you when you couldn't find a Bible to save your life, right? Like you don't know this stuff yet. So church, their deepest need in loving like God is to help their soul find Jesus, but you can't download everything that you know now. It won't be helpful. What you need to do is remove all the obstacles for them on their journey toward Christ. We painted it on the wall so we wouldn't forget. We remove all of the obstacles so that people can move toward Jesus. One step closer, one step closer, one step closer. I've told you this before. When people at our cocktail parties in the neighborhood ask me like, so what is it that you believe and what's your church all about? I make them ask me like three or four times in a row before I'll tell them. It's like asking, it's like when your child asks you about questions about you know, sex. You, do not answer questions they are not asking because that gets really messed up in their heads. So I just wait to see what we're really talking about here. And if they've progressed and they need some details, man, then I'm all about it. But I'm helping remove the obstacles for them to understand it, right? That's loving. There's, they need Jesus. But they're going to have to get there on their own journey. So we remove the obstacles and we love them along the way. So loving them looks like helping them get on the way. And part of that, by the way, seeing them, knowing them, hearing them, delighting in them. How would they understand God's love for them if they haven't seen it manifested in people, including in you? And so before you ever get to the message of Jesus and his forgiveness, etc., you may just need to get to the message of, I see your life and I want to walk with you in it and I'm delighted in who you are because every man and woman has been created in the image of God. That's good news. It's not good news if they're not ready to hear more than that. Best example of this, as I close, is Jesus. Dan, you guys can come up. Best example of this is Jesus. I love this passage at the beginning of Luke that I referred to the, um, uh, this passage earlier, but Luke 15. The tax collectors and the sinners were gathered around him. Now, I, gotta, I just got to stop right there. Meaning, the people that were so far outside the religious establishment, the people that were like the, ooh, you've ever heard your friends say this? My friends say this all the time. Like, if I ever darken the door of the church, it might get struck by lightning. You don't want me there. You know, you know that kind of a deal. The people on the furthest outskirts of the religious establishment, tax collectors and sinners, they gathered around Jesus. They were drawn to Jesus. They wanted to come near Jesus. That's exactly what we're talking about. If we take the initiative and we give sacrificially and we meet people at the deepest places, then people are going to be drawn to us. They're going to be drawn to you. And I just have to ask you the really hard question. 
are they drawn to you because of how deeply and crazy you love them? And you've got to ask even a harder question. If people are not drawn to you to know what's happening in your relationship with God, then you've got to get with somebody who knows you really well and go, what's happening with me? What's my thing? What am I giving off? Because too many Christians repel people as opposed to wide open embrace. Come. They gather around Jesus, and then what happens? So then all Jesus' adversaries were like, that guy does what? He does two things. You see it in the text? He welcomes sinners, and he eats with them. They were critical about Jesus. I'm giving it to you as your job description. Welcome sinners. Do you remember me teaching you this Greek word, welcome? Pros decomai. That's a bonus. You get a Greek word today. Pros decomai. There's a Greek word called decomai, and it means welcome. It's like, oh, yeah, you're welcome to that. Oh, can I grab this napkin here? Yeah, you're welcome to that. Pros decomai is the prodigal son's father waiting to embrace with open arms, longing for the moment when he's able to welcome in the lost. Pros decomai. And these guys go, he pros decomize unrighteous people. That's us. I'll give you $5 if you write that word down. Pros decomai. And then it says, and he eats with them. He's doing life with them. He's engaged in their lives and they're in his life. I know none of you lack the desire to have that kind of love and engagement with people who do not yet know Jesus. I do not, I do not doubt that you lack no desire to be people of good news that love like you know the author of love. But it might be a margins problem for you that you do not have people in your life. You are not able to welcome people and eat with them, and take the initiative, and give sacrificially, and meet people's deepest needs, and see them, you may not be able to because your life's so full of your stuff. And this is a hard word, friends, and I'm telling it to myself. That is a form of selfishness that is the opposite of love. I'm too full to be an agent of the prosdecomine God that loves this world. So we gotta create some margins in our lives to do that. Okay, I'm done. I'm way done. I'm way out of time. Here's what I want to do. In every one of these sermons going forward, Ben did it two weeks ago as well, we're going to tell you some form of this message. You can't be good news. In this case, we can't be a people who love crazy love the world. We can't be those people unless God has done some significant transformation in our own lives. You'll hear this message all the time. At the end of each one of these, it's like, let's be good news by being this. The end of the message will be, you can't do that unless God's done some work in you. And in this case, this is all the way through our text. I don't have time to take us back through it, but if you were to look through it, it's all the way through all of our texts this morning that we love because God's loved us. We love because we understand the author of love. We love because he's come and loved us so we can understand 
and have the power to be his people. And so we have to have God come and transform our lives. And so two questions for you in application then. One, because the text says, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. One, have you been born of God? If you've been hanging around the fringes and you're like, I haven't yet said I'm in, I haven't yet said yes to Jesus being the Lord of my life, that is how we become good news is we let the Holy Spirit of God come in. We receive all the forgiveness and grace God offers us. It's reflected at the table we're about to celebrate. But even today, maybe you come to the table saying, okay, I'm finally making a choice to be in and ask God to forgive my sin and tell him I want to enter into a relationship with him. Have you been born of God? It's the starting point of being good news to the world. Secondly, born of God and knows God. Are you a person that's spending the time understanding the love of God for you every day so that you never fall into judgment, you never fall into spiritual superiority, you never fall into to moral superiority. You understand the grace of God that's been poured out in your life in such a way that you cannot help but celebrate it and then give it away. If you're out of touch with that, if you've forgotten your story that Romans 5 teaches, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is how God demonstrates his love to us. It says that while we were sinners, far away from God, he came. That's your story. That means you can pass that story along to people that are a long ways away. Maybe there's something this week you can do. What would it be to reflect and renew that reality in your heart? Oh man, I'm I'm a recipient of this unmerited favor and unconditional grace of God. That's the whole story, man. I can give that away. Is there one thing you can do to remind yourself that, of that this week? Maybe you memorize that passage that I suggested. Or maybe you spend in your time with the Lord every day worshiping him and thanking him. A week of worship and gratefulness for how he's loved you. We love because God first loved us.